This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One on One's NFL Friday. Here now are Mac Rosenberg and Mike Watts. A week five edition of One-on-One's NFL Friday. Mac Rosenberg, Mike Watts, and how sweet it is to be three and two. That's right. I'm wearing my Sam Bradford jersey loud and proud today, sir, after a convincing 17-3 win last night over Arizona. Yeah, my Browns, they're... <laughs> They're a football team. It's, yeah, there you go. I, I, I'll bring my I, – I sent you a picture of it earlier this week, uh, yesterday actually, of all the Browns quarterbacks oh, yeah. uh, since the 1999 expansion. So I'll wear that at some point. It, it's, it's really something to behold. It is something else. And as were the St. Louis Rams on defense last night, have it nine sacks on Kevin Cobb. Their offensive line, garbage. But Rams defense, you got to give them credit in that game. You have to give them some credit. Ram tough, like do Ram I have tough to say it? That's Ram yes, tough? that's what like, I've been saying. Is that what you're looking for? Like, yeah, uh, offense not so much. Danny Amendola uh, out six to seven weeks with a dislocated clavicle. Boy, is that a letdown? That is a remember, huge letdown. Um, picking him year. up in fantasy in 2010 when he yeah. when he went off for 85 yeah. catches, and he he was going to have a similar, if not much better, season. He this was on year. his he way. Had, one half, I think, where he finished with what ten catches, twelve, along those a, lines, 12 a record, catches. a record in and a half in the NFL. Uh, so it, it's disappointing to you know see him go down to injury because uh, really that's the only guy Sam Bradford knows how to throw to. Yeah, right I mean now. if you, if you watched any of that game, and I, obviously I watched the whole thing, you saw after that first drive, if you, did you see the catch by Amendola? One hand going yes. back, it was a, it was a pi anyway, and he's still one handed, oh, just a, a a spectacular grab. And then after that drive, or, or two it, drives later when Amendola was out, the offense just looked empty. Is that when Bradford went on that 0-for-12 stretch oh, yeah. with a pick? Oh, yeah. yeah. He was 6-for-7 and then 0-for-12 you know, or whatever it was. Yeah, he didn't do good. He did have, he did have the longest touchdown uh, pass of his career last night to Chris Givens, rookie wide receiver. Everything looked to be going great last night. What did I see on your Facebook? Who? <laughs> yeah, right, Chris, Chris Givens. Givens. Exactly. He's, uh, 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 I believe, a... Um, a second round pick, or he's a, might have been later. I mean, something, something tells me that he was a later round pick out of Wake Forest. Uh, has a lot of talent. Um, I know a lot about my Rams, of course, but not many others do. Let's check the standings from last week. Why would they? <laughs> Mike, leading the charge, went five and two last week, flexing those muscles. Who's Nick, crystal ball. We're we looking into <laughs> yours, yeah, apparently. Right. Uh-huh. Nick and uh, Mac went four and three. Julian. Three and four because he picked the Jets. That that's the problem. Um, so updating the standings for the year, a three-way tie in first place. Yeah. Julian, Nick, and Mike at fifteen and ten. Mac at fourteen and eleven. So uh, we will get to picks we're later still on. That's good. We yeah, we're still we're st- I'm still a game back. So we'll see about that. Let's uh, check in now with the locals and the Giants with Eric Malo. There's one word that can describe the Giants last week. Ouch. Not only was Lawrence Tynes' missed 54-yard field goal against Philly on Sunday a backbreaker, but the G-Men are adding players to the injury report once again. Starting safety Kenny Phillips is now sidelined with a sprained MCL, one week after fellow starting safety Antrell Roll went down with a knee injury. And cornerback Corey Webster, center David Boss, and defensive tackle Rocky Bernard are dealing with hand and arm injuries. And to top it off, 
Wide receiver Ramses Barden suffered a concussion late in last week's game, and he, along with fellow receiver Hakeem Nix, are unlikely to step on the field this Sunday. Speaking of this Sunday, the Cleveland Browns are in town, and although they are winless, Giants head coach Tom Coughlin is characteristically not taking them lightly. They're a good young team. They have some 15 players that are rookies, 11 second-year players, but they've they played hard, they battled hard, so they have played tough. Cleveland is a bit deceptive. Their defense is young and growing, and they have a quick, powerful running back in Trent Richardson. Although they're banged up, the Giants can't allow an 0-4 team to take them out this weekend. In spite of the G-Men's defensive ends producing a mere two and a half sacks so far this season, I expect the Giants' star-studded D-line to overwhelm Brown's rookie quarterback, Brandon Whedon. And Eli Manning will continue to pick apart opposing secondaries as he's done since week one. My final score, Giants 23, Browns 17. And the Giants know they'd be in big trouble if they drop this one. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Malo, WFUV Sports. And many thanks to Eric Mollo every week with his Giants segment. Uh, by the way, later on we get into the Jets. We're going to have on Mark Canizaro, who is a New York Post Jets writer. He's out at Jets camp this afternoon. We'll talk to him in a few minutes. Um, so the Giants, Mike, uh, I know you want to talk a lot about the uh, their last game against the Eagles. Uh, uh, certainly a tough finish. No, there's no doubt about it. Well, and, and I'm going to say it. The, the the play calling on that final drive was absolutely atrocious. I'm going to lead off with fourth down and one. When you choose to throw a 15-yard fade route over one of the league's top corners, and you're lucky enough to get offensive pass Incredibly interference. Incredibly lucky. because Sorry, it was, defensive pass it, it interference. Was, it was very close. Okay, fair enough. So you move the ball forward, and then you, you've got, what, no timeouts, 25 seconds left, you're rolling up the field, whatever it may be, and you, you hit second down. And you're in field goal range. You are, I think, about a 46, 45-yard field goal, which is absolutely in Lawrence Tynes' wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're on a fullback dive, a quarterback sneak, run what you will. Spike the ball on third down, and it's fourth down. you got five seconds left. It's called a 43, 42-yard field goal that you can center up with that sneak or that dive, and it's done. He's been money, 11 of 11 this year, within 50 yards. I, I mean, and, and granted, Ramsey's Barden deserves every all the credit in the world for that pass interference because otherwise that pass is intercepted. You have to at least give your kicker the chance to maybe make the kick. That said, I thought the play calling in that last drive was atrocious. You know, and I, what really angers me is so many people that I talked to after that game Granted, they weren't Giant fans, which makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Told me that oh, Lawrence Tynes is a horrible kicker. It was you know he's he's terrible. That's ridiculous. His career that's, long I, is that's 53. ludicrous. You can't expect him the, to make a lo- an incredibly long kick. No, not like everyone that. can be your boy. <laughs> yeah, right, uh, Young Jeezy. Yes, not Red's everyone can be Sebastian no. Janikowski. Now, Lawrence Tynes is not the best kicker in the league. That's fine. I no, can live with he's that. Not. He's not David Never Akers. was, never will be. Fine. But you can't put a guy in a position where you know he can't succeed. And the way the wind was blowing that night, which it was not at his back, when your career high for that kicker is 53, we've talked about it with Fordham in the past, where Patrick Murray says, I can make a blank yard field goal. That's the longest I can go. Well, I guarantee you Lawrence Tynes didn't tell Tom Coughlin before the game, 
My longest field goal is 54. You have to put your kicker in a position to win. And when you move back those 10 yards, you know, you have 15 seconds left. Why not roll Eli Manning out and say, if you get any pressure at all, chuck it out of bounds. But if there's anyone open on the sideline or you can make it to the sideline after a three- or four-yard pickup, do that. Otherwise, air it into the stands. And there's your five yards. That's the difference between on that second kick, winning the game or losing the game. And on that first kick, Lawrence Tynes tried to get all of it. And if you've ever played golf like I have, which is not well – when you try and get all of the ball, you're going to shank it. And he shanked it because he was trying to hit the ball 120%. And he can't. So I don't blame Lawrence Tynes. There are people who do. I blame the offensive coordinator and Tom Coughlin because the decision to wait for that field goal is Coughlin's. And the decision not to run that, that run play earlier is the offensive coordinator's. Oh, I'm sorry. I was busy picturing you playing golf. But uh, anyway, <laughs> you, you know. It's unbelievable. I just—it's not pretty, by the way. It's... I, I, I again—I'm just still in shock that they that they didn't run the ball once on, on this final drive. I'm looking at, at the plays; they did not run the ball once. Once you—they were at the Philadelphia 26, 26 yard line. So call that, that a forty-four is, yard that field goal. That is the game. That is the game. May, try to make that. You're on the road. Conditions may not be in your favor. Make that an even shorter field goal. You can pass the ball. You can. Don't throw it deep, though. Yeah, I, 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 you I know, mean, honestly, over the middle to Cruz. You right. would, you'd be going over the middle of Cruz all night. And keep think going. About it. I know Slot it's, receiver. Yeah, and I know it's second down. Just get five yards. Five yards. That is a guaranteed make for yep. Lawrence Tynes. 9.99 out of 10 kicks he will make from that distance. You see teams do it all the time in overtime. You know, they get to the 30, but and, and they, they keep they going. They go a couple they more going, yards. Run, right. you know, they don't get, need get, the touchdown. Get to fourth down. Get as many yards as you possibly can. Run the football, or with Eli Manning, you know Eli probably won't throw an interception. So over the middle, you know, four or five yards. Yeah, and, and again, I'm not saying he needed a touchdown. No one's saying that. No. That's why I didn't I, understand that. I don't think they should have got. Don't give the ball back to them. Well, and that's where I'm sitting with, with Ramsey's Barton. That throw down there. Now, granted, uh, he was playing concussed at the end of that game. I, I've seen guys where they've been concussed and they think they're playing CYO, you know, Little Tykes football. <laughs> I, so I don't know how bad this concussion is. But it, it, when, when you watched that ball go up, the only way that pass doesn't get intercepted is if he grabs a hold of the cornerback and shakes him down like he did. Exactly so what he did. He had to do that. That is smart football, but he shouldn't have been placed in that position to begin with. And the way you avoid that is you run very conservative play calls. Split out four receivers and put a running back on your on, on Eli's hip and say, okay, Andre Brown, okay, Ahmad Bradshaw, we're going to run a draw play. Or say, we're going to run sticks. Or we're going to run a short five-yard in to Bennett, yeah. who caught one pass Bennett, for three Bennett's yards. Bennett's another guy. He can get you short yardage. All, that's all you need to do. Run a screen to your running back. I yeah. don't care. Yeah, just get but yards. let's say that that ball gets caught at the two-yard line. Okay, yeah, it's a first down. They don't does have any Eli, timeouts left Does Eli either. get all the way up to the line and spike the ball in time to yeah. get the field they didn't goal have, unit that's out on the thing. field. They didn't have any timeouts. They didn't have any timeouts left. Uh, you know, it, it looked like that the, there should have been uh, 
you know, defensive pass interference called on Ramses Barden on that play because he was not the wide receiver on that play. <laughs> you know? No, and I completely agree with that sentiment. Yeah. That's well played. All right, so they get the Browns this week, and I, I really like that Eric Malo, you know, didn't pick a blowout. I mean, yeah, I, I think the Giants are definitely going to win, but I think the Browns really showed me something against the Ravens, and they, they showed you something as well, um, you know, that this team can be in games, and they showed us that against the Eagles, and they showed us that, uh, you know, again, against the Ravens. So they, they've, played, they've had some tough games. Well, you know I'll, it better than anybody else. Yeah, and I'll say it. I, I'm not a big fan of Brandon Whedon. I'm really not. I don't think right. he was the right pick for the Browns at this point in time. I think they were way too far away from being a winner to pick a quarterback who's 29. But that's all in the past. Now that he's there, and he is doing better now than he did week one, which it's hard to do worse. Yeah, he was competitive against the Eagles. He was competitive against the Ravens. He'll be competitive against the Giants. Will the Browns win? Honestly, no. I really don't think they do. I would be flabbergasted. I would wear my Braylon Edwards jersey everywhere for the next week and not clean it. I'd be so happy. But that's not going to happen. Fanhood aside, the Browns are an 0-4 team for a reason. Now, their defense does have positive aspects to it. The defensive line has been pretty decent. The the linebackers, Dequell Jackson, has been very, very good. Joe Hayden, I, I've been told, is out again this week, which doesn't bode well for, for the Browns. But I, I just don't see where they win the game, but I can see where they keep it within a possession or two. Now, you know, and this has always seemed to have been the pro- been the problem with the Cleveland Browns, at least one of the most consistent problems. They don't have anybody for their quarterback to throw to. It's just... Such a Massaquaz hurt. Yeah, it's, Greg yeah. Little leads the league in drops. Yeah, and, and like you know, Massaquaz hurt. But how good is Muhammad Massaquaz? I mean, it, he shouldn't be your number one right? anywhere. Yeah, I that's mean, like having Mario Manningham man, being your number one. They, they, they are similar yeah, receivers they in are, my mind. It's a desert at wide receiver, man. And it's, it's brutal. You know, when they drafted, I was, uh, I, you know, there was talk about: do the Browns take Justin Blackman or do they take Trent Richardson? They took Richardson, and he's got a lot of upside. But yeah. frankly, in my mind, if you want to have a chance this year, the way maybe the Bengals turn their team around as fast as they did, I would have said take Blackman, who is clearly a game changer, and maybe re-sign Peyton Hillis, who is healthy, isn't having a big role right now in, in Kansas City for obvious reasons. Right. I mean, Jamal Charles is that good. Mm-hmm. But go out, get a really good receiver, and then... Running back-wise, you can get by with a guy like that if you plan to really sling it around like they do in their offensive scheme. Yeah, I actually picked up Greg Little in fantasy this week uh, because I'm— Does I'm, it, Is it a drops per receiver league? I mean, is that <laughs> what you're looking for? I'm just very thin. I mean, I know he's a—he is—let's face it, he's, a, he's one of the go-to guys. He has They're going to be. throw it to him. I mean, they threw it to him in the end zone in that last drive. Right. And he, I mean, he did get hit pretty hard. He got yes. hit pretty hard by Ed Reed on that play. Um, but he's a, he's you know he you look at him and he he's a big guy who can can reach up and make some catches. Now, if memory serves, Greg Little came out of UNC. He did not play his entire senior year. He had had some drop problems before that. Went to North Carolina. Yes. Yeah. Comes to Cleveland. Has drop problems. So it's not a surprise. And maybe it's even worse when he spent a full year out of football out of high-level football, much less football at all. So I, I get where the drops come from, but you are a professional wide receiver. You cannot drop eight passes in four weeks. Yeah. And expect for your rookie quarterback to do well. To be honest, you look at Colt McCoy, and he wasn't successful last season because he was throwing to even less. 
They didn't even have, you know, the, the rookie kid they got in the supplemental draft who hasn't had a great year either. But, I mean, he had all these guys when they were even more raw. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it, it, it the Browns, I think, don't understand that they have a good left tackle, they have a good center, they got a, a right tackle out of California, I think, who's got some upside, and then they just surround their quarterback with total garbage. Let's get our picks in. It, it might be a close game at the half. Um, I'm going to go Giants 24-10. to 10. Solid two-touchdown win for New York. Okay. Uh, Giants 20-14, uh, to 14, and I don't know what they've got in the back. They both uh, actually uh, they both have the Giants. Okay. Nick and Julian. Nick at the uh, – Nick, <laughs> Nick Legerfo. <laughs> it's that kind of day over here. And uh, Julian at the end. Uh, Julian at the end. Uh, both picking the New York football. Giants, let's get to that other team, the New York Jets. And, of course, Joe Vitiello's Weekly Jets Report. That's right, folks. You guessed it. Ringling Brothers move over. Gang Green has officially become New York Circus. We have the invisible wide receiver crew, two clowns pretending to be quarterbacks, and a puppet master named Rex Ryan. The Jets are in line to start playing at the Garden with the Elephants in April. My question is, why don't we add more acts, like the wide receiver formerly known as Chad Ochocinco, Flex, or everyone's favorite clown, T.O.? Yes, they're old. Yes, they each come with their own set of baggage. And yes, they've hurt team chemistry in the past. But think about it. Does Gang Green have any chemistry left to hurt? What's the worst that could happen? The team's glaring weakness is wide receiver. What could possibly go wrong by taking some flyers on these guys? As bad as Sanchez has been playing, the blame can't all lie on his shoulders. Injuries have depleted an already subpar receiving court. The bad got worse in the blowout loss to the Niners when Gangrene's top receiver, Santonio Holmes, injured his foot in an eerily similar situation to the Darrell Rivas injury last week. Like the star corner, he is also out for the year. Even with the roof caving in over him, Mark Sanchez still isn't worried about his job security. One thing's for sure, if Sanchez's play doesn't improve, Rex will be forced to start Tebow in the future. It's just a matter of time. His next and possibly final shot comes Monday night against the Houston Texans. Don't look for too much improvement from Sanchez, as he is playing against another top flight defense. My prediction? Texans 27, Jets 7. Covering the circus, also known as the... I'm Joe Vidiello, WFUV Sports. <laughs> I think uh, I think Joe has a contract future with uh, the uh, circus here in New York. Uh, wow. Okay. Or to the Jets. And do you remember what he said at the start of the year? Did he say they'd be over 500? 10 and 6. Oh, Opening Joe. day. I remember I got a text watching the Bills, uh, Bills and Jets. Super got a text. Bowl. Got a text from him. 10 and 6. Do you believe it now? And I just said, no, I just want to know. <laughs> All right, well, on a much, much lighter note, we're going to bring in now Mark Canizaro, Jets writer for the New York Post out at Jets Camp today. Mark, thanks for the time. No problem, guys. How are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Now, I'm curious, Mark, with all the things that are going wrong with this team so far in 2012, I want to know what is going right. I mean, Holmes out for the season, Woody Johnson calling for Tim Tebow, Mark Sanchez says that there's no pressure on him. Is there anything going right with this team right now? Well, it's sunny today. Does that help? <laughs> 
you know, listen, I mean, you know, they are, there's a lot of bad things that have, that have happened for them the last two weeks. You know, at the end of the day, as they go into this game on Monday night, they are still tied for first place right now, anyway, leading into Sunday, I should say. Um, and, uh, you know, they're 2-0 to the division. And their schedule gets a little bit easier after this game. You know, these last two weeks, you know, uh, the 49er game and, the, and, and obviously Monday night against the Texans, those are two of the best teams in the league that they've faced. So, you know, I think, I think what really – obviously, if they, go, if they get blown out against the Texans, that's, that's a problem. If they lose a close game and perform better and the offense looks a little bit better, but they don't quite pull it out, just say they lose a 24-21 game against the Texans or whatever, just hypothetically, and you're two and three, you know, I'm not sure. I think to some degree, I guess what I'm saying is if they if they perform well, and, and certainly they have to perform better than they did against the Niners, and still lose at two and three in, and, and two and zero oh in your division, with a, with a, a relatively easier schedule coming up, you know, all is not completely lost. So I think they have to look at that. Um, I think they will perform better against uh, against Houston. Uh, I j- I've just got a, an odd feeling that they're going to play, you know, better than a lot of people think they will, just because you know, I mean, a lot of people are expecting more of what they saw against the Niners, and you know, I think that that was a pretty good jolt to them, and I think you'll see an angrier you know, more focused and more passionate team than you saw against San Francisco uh, when you see the Jets come out against the Texans. Mark, I know going out of last week there was talk about trying to find yourself. That was Rex Ryan's calling card after the game. Has this team in practice maybe been more focused? Have they maybe shown that they're a little more prepared this week? Uh, you know, I talked to a couple players yesterday. I'm here today. Uh, I spoke to Brandon Moore yesterday. Who was who was talking about how good the last couple of days of practices had been? Um, you know, Rex t- talked a little bit this morning uh, about uh, about how how the practices have gone. You know, they 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 did a little something different in yesterday's practice. They had the number one offense going up against the number one defense, which they don't usually do. It's usually you know the number ones against the scout team. In practices, so they had a session, a pretty physical run, uh, running and run defense session, with the ones playing against each other, and I think that that might have been, you know, might have sparked a little flame uh, in the team. Um, so I think practices have gone pretty well, but I mean, you know, how do we really know until we see them perform on Monday night? Um, you know, how it all manifests itself. Mark, we don't. Yeah, you know, we won't know. Yeah, I mean, there there are so many, you know, areas of this team that, that have difficulties. You know, the running backs are have really not played well at all. Mark Sanchez has been up and down and extremely inconsistent. The defense loses Darrell Rivas. What area of this team would you say needs to improve the most right now? I think the, I'll, I'll say it in two, in two spots, if I could make it two areas. Sure. Both of which are related. Um, they have to run the ball better. Um which is going to be difficult because I'm not a big believer in Sean Green as a as a dynamic number one feature back. Not many of us are. Uh, Neither of us are. I can <laughs> promise you that. Yeah, you know, I'm not just saying that. You know, based on the last couple three weeks, either. I just I didn't feel like going into this season that he was a guy that was, uh, you know, when was the answer. I think they, you know, I think it's pretty clear that Mike Tannenbaum and his staff have left left the team a little bit short on on dynamic skill position players on offense. 
build it, you know, to build around Sanchez, and I think that's going to be part of Sanchez's struggle. Um, but I, that said, they can still block it up and run a hell of a lot better than they did last week, and uh, and they're going to need to do that because the Texans are the number one ranked defense in the league. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, if the Jets don't stop Arian Foster, the Texans running back, then it's going to be another 34 nothing game because, you know, I, so I really would say the two things to me are just running the ball better with some sort of physicality and consistency to keep the chains moving and stopping the run. Um, because if, if those things, if those two things don't take place in some manner of, of drastic improvement from, from the week before, um, then it's going to be another blowout. Mark, you touched on it in your last answer about the running game needing to get better, and I think all three of us are in agreement that maybe Sean Green isn't the explosive number one back that you would hope to have. But at the start of the season, the Jets got rid of Wayne Hunter. They trade him away. People were saying that maybe he was the reason the offensive line has faltered and whatever it may be. It, it seems like the offensive line hasn't really played that well at all with or without Wayne Hunter. What do you see? I don't think the offensive line has played well with or without Wayne Hunter in two years, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, not, not to put it all on one guy, but I mean, they haven't. This offensive line has not been the same since Damian Woody uh, was not was not brought back two years, you know, before the before the beginning of last year. So yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, that that was a staple and a strength of this team. And you know, let's be honest. I mean, they've still got number one draft picks on that line. You know, with Brick and and Nick Mangold. Uh, you know, so that you know, and, and certainly Brandon Morris. You know, not that he was a high draft pick, is a, is a pretty solid, solid guy. So, you know, you know they've got enough talent on that on that line where it, you know the results should be better than what they've been, and I think that's probably where you're going to see the most improvement in my if if I just prognosticating a little bit for Monday night. I just have a feeling that you know the offensive line is going to take a little bit of umbrage about what happened in the. Uh, in the San Francisco game, and I think it's going to start up front for the Jets. I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but I think it's going to be a lot closer game than I think people are, are expecting. And I think it will start up in the offensive line. I think they'll have a pretty good game this week. Mark, based on uh, on the answers to previous questions, it doesn't seem like you have a huge problem with Mark Sanchez right now. Uh, what's your take on his performance and uh, and then Tim Tebow obviously looming? I don't want to sound like an apologist for Mark, but I just don't really feel like he's been given the, the proper yeah. chance to, yeah. to succeed. Um, you know, that said, uh, you know, the really, really good quarterbacks elevate the guys around them, you know. Uh, so, you know, there's certainly an argument that can be made. Uh, you know, I think Sanchez it certainly looks to me like his confidence is, is has wavered a bit. I mean, he looks uncomfortable and skittish in the pocket. Um, not that I think he's really gotten that badly bludgeoned by, you know, by by pass rushes, but, I, you know, I he, he hasn't looked confident, but, you know, part of that can come from the fact he's got nobody to throw the ball to, uh, and he's got no running game. You know, I mean, Mark Sanchez was at his best in his rookie year when Thomas Jones was running the ball well and he had the number one ranked rushing offense in the league. And in his second year, um, you know, when they, when they still, you know, the two years they went to the UFC championship, you know, he had a strong running game behind him. And the last two years, it hasn't been so good. And that's why his performance has gone down. Sanchez has yet to prove, in my opinion, to be the kind of guy, like, like and I'll just use Eli Manning as an example, you know, right here in New York, where Manning can kind of, even without a running game, he can just carry, he can just carry the offense. 
And I haven't really seen that from Mark. He, Mark, you know, has really been, when he's been at his best, uh, he has shown a really good propensity to make, you know, to, to deliver in the clutch because he's played well. Certainly, we've seen him play well in the playoffs. The guy's won four road playoff games. So you got to give that to him. But he doesn't really seem like the guy that can just lift the team and put him on his shoulders like, like Eli has been able to do. Uh, not to say that Eli does it by himself or anything like that. He's got certainly he has a pretty good receiving core with you know with Cruz and Knicks and those guys. But um, I don't know. I just I Mark is not good enough to rise above the mediocrity that's around him. I guess is the best way I can put it. And maybe that's unfair to say, but uh, I don't think Mark is is the problem is, is the big problem the Jets have. And that's why Rex Ryan hasn't replaced him. And that's why Tim Tebow is not the answer. When you go put Tebow in there, you know it's it's you want to talk about it. It'll become a circus because they're going to have to completely change their offensive philosophy and strategy. You tear everything up, but you know you can't do that after a month. You know even if they lose Monday night, you know unless Sanchez just looks completely lost, you know he doesn't deserve to be replaced, in my opinion. I, I want to continue on that thread here for a moment because Mark Sanchez this year. 49% completion percentage, five touchdowns, four picks. Maybe it's just me, but I think Tim Tebow, because he adds an extra element to the offense, could at least make it better than what we've seen so far. Because even if Tim Tebow throws it a 49% clip, at least he's able to run the ball somewhat effectively. Is there any value to my point, or do you think that's really not all that important? You know, I think if you look at the numbers, your 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 argument could be could be valid. You know, I mean, Tebow historically is about a forty-something percent passer. Um, you know, that's pretty much what he was last year in Denver. Um, and you're right, sure, he, you know, the element of the run. I, I think a big a big problem too is I think that I, I think I think Tony Sperano has done a really not done a very good job at all uh, utilizing Tebow. Um, Again, I mean, he's been hamstrung to some degree because of the fact that they haven't had a lot of talent around him. But you know, that's that's part of you know, it's, that's that's partly on him too. I mean, uh, but I just I don't like. I mean, what have we seen from that Wildcat? The Wildcat's been an absolute non-factor. You know, uh, after a whole, after an entire summer of keeping it under wraps and all that kind of stuff. You know, um, you know, maybe maybe you mix people in a little bit more and and, and have put the ball up a little bit. I've said that after the first few, you know, first couple of games of the year. I said this wildcat thing is not going to work to, to any any deception unless you have Tebow start to throw the ball and people are going to start feeling threatened. You know, even in Miami when you know when 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 was was running that you know really when he was most successful, you know, running the wildcat was Ronnie Brown. And Ronnie Brown threw the ball pretty well and he was a threat to throw the ball and he he made some big plays throwing the ball. Um, you know, Tebow was a quarterback who could throw it at least fairly well. And yet they've only thrown one pass, you know, from in the first month of the season. I think that's a huge mistake. So yeah, I, I, I you know, I know I get off your your thing a little bit about starting Tebow. I just, I just, I just really, from what I've seen of Mark Sanchez, and I covered Tebow a few games last year. Sanchez is just a better quarterback than than, than Tebow is. You know, I just think he's a, he's a better passer. Yeah, I think I think Sanchez is a good leader. Um, not to say that Tebow isn't. I mean, Tebow's got a lot of lot of great leadership qualities, but you know, I I just I don't see tearing everything up after four or five games. I think you start you start getting into that, 
then you're really lost and you have no identity or direction. Not that they've shown a lot of direction so far, but I just think you got to stay the course to some degree. You can't get too skittish and start tearing the manuscript up too early. Mark, real quick before we let you go, just can you update us on a couple of big injuries? I know Dustin Keller and Stephen Hill, they they have not practiced. Any update as, as to whether they'll be playing? Well, it doesn't it doesn't look very good. Uh, yeah. I talked to Rex earlier today, and uh, they are neither guys practicing. Um, you know, I think that you know Hill is really to you know almost more of a. I, I would almost look at him as as less likely to play if there's anybody that has a chance to play, just because of the fact that he hasn't practiced in two weeks and he's a rookie. You know, and uh, you know, it's Dustin Keller can kind of jump right in with you know with a, with a with one light practice or something if he's able to go tomorrow. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, be in sync with Sanchez, you know, I'm not so sure you want to do that with, with, with a rookie, you know, who really hasn't done anything since, since his debut, which was certainly uh, quite a tease for, for everybody, um, with two touchdown catches, but he's done nothing since. And of course he's been hurt. And, you know, I, you know, Rex, Rex even made a, made reference today about just being a little concerned about, you know, a guy like that who, you know, hasn't had a lot of practice. You know, you can't have rookies making bad mistakes because that's when you get these, you know, these bad turnovers that they have been an epidemic for the Jets. He's Mark Canizero, Jets writer for the New York Post out of Jets camp today. Mark, thanks for the time, and, and try not to stay in the sun too long. Thanks for joining us. Okay, guys, take it easy. All right, take care, Mark. All right, that was Mark Canizero talking Jets with us, and uh, we thank him. All right, so let's talk more about the Jets-Texans game Monday night. Uh, you know, so many things. Everything's falling down for this team at this point. Um, Holmes now out for the year, and, uh, you know, the defense depleted. Running game is awful. Um, just, yeah, you, you but yawn. But it's sunny, right? It is sunny. It is uh, sunny in New York. That's about it. Um, what do you make of this team? I mean, this is this is probably the worst we've seen them in a while. I, I raised, think. Yeah, I raised the question in the interview. If Mark Sanchez is going to go 13 of 29 for 103 yards in in the most recent game, Tim Tebow could give you that too, and he'll give you 50 or 100 yards rushing and make Sean Green a better player. So at least your running game won't stink up the field quite like their passing game does. And when you have no weapons, you might as well make your quarterback a weapon if you have one available. And Mark Sanchez, with no one to throw to, isn't a weapon – I, at the start of the year, I thought it'd be ridiculous to call for Mark Sanchez to get benched. I, I didn't like him as a player, but I, I thought it'd be ridiculous. It's time. It just is. Because Tim Tebow adds a dimension that you don't get. And I, we talked yeah, about it, and I right. know he kind of... Beat it around the bush a little bit. Yeah, but in my opinion, it, it, it is time. Tim Tebow, if Sanchez is as bad as he's been in this game against Houston... Give Tebow the second half, the fourth quarter, whatever, and see what he can do. And you know something, if he can, if he can lead a scoring drive, crud, get, get, give him the starting job. And really. you know, I agree with you actually, because especially now that Santonio Holmes is out, because you know, if Tebow was in with Holmes, I mean, that could have created some conflict. Now he's out. Who's gonna, you know, who's gonna get mad at him now? Stephen Hill, a rookie who's not even right. playing. I mean. Jeremy Curley, I mean, what right do they have? So I think it's, I think it is time. I, I do think it is time. Let's get to our picks. Uh, I will take Houston. I'll take Houston. I think the Jets' defense does okay. So I'll say they scored twenty-one. I'll say the Jets score seven, twenty-one-seven. Yeah, and I think uh, the the defense is a little banged up right now yeah, with Revis gone and and Andre Johnson coming to town. I know yeah. it's a home Oof. game for the Jets. 
Antonio Cromartie going to have his hands full. Uh, really, though, he will. And More I than think, he's had with any of his kids. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> We're better than that. Come on, Matt. <laughs> 31 for Houston, uh, of which I think at least one of those touchdowns will come on a pick six or an air set, uh, 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 fumble return for a TD, uh, and the Jets finish with six. 31-6. Nick takes Houston. Well, Julian, of course, would be nothing if he didn't take his Jets. So he, he takes the Jets. Unbelievable. He took the Jets last week. He takes them this week. Oh, by one. It's Excuse like the me. Titanic. Sometimes you see the iceberg coming and you just <laughs> keep going, you know what? I'm going to stay on this Jets. Ba- I mean, Titanic. We're going to stay on the Titanic. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, Julian's laughing. I'm laughing. Let's get to our uh, general NFL segment now. And uh, a couple of storylines here. Which of these surprise teams do you think is going to make the playoffs? Okay, ready. Redskins, who have, you know, eked out some some wins, lost to the Rams. Arizona, lost to the Rams. Cincinnati, who uh, has been pretty pretty good. I mean, they've, they've, Cincinnati's been really, really good. Minnesota's come out of nowhere because Detroit is just abysmal, yeah. abysmal in that division. Hmm. So Washington, Arizona, Cincinnati, Minnesota. And, and of course, Denver. Um, I picked Denver to make the playoffs. I, they're to me, they're not much of a surprise. No, and here's what I would say: there, there are two teams in that list that, that make sense to me, and they're both because of divisional toughness. Yep. Because when you play in a garbage division, that could be four to six wins. I look at it right now. Denver is the most obvious pick to me. None of those and are garbage divisions, by the way. I, I think Minnesota is in a garbage division Ooh. when Detroit is that bad and Chicago has been that bad. I, I think mean, they I, could I, eke out three I out don't of think, four games. I don't there. think you, you can call you can call no, the I NFC North think, a garbage division. No, it's tough to call it a garbage yeah, division. Yeah. I think they're, they're, they are underperforming big. I would say yeah. Denver is obvious. The Chiefs, not good. They, they might go to Brady Quinn, enough said. The Raiders, Chargers, not good. not good. I think the Chargers are actually good, I think, personally. I, I think they could be good. I don't think they've really shown all that much compared to Denver. Right. So I think yeah. Denver could easily win that division as well as, frankly, lose it to the Chargers. And then there's Minnesota, and th- I think they, they aren't going to win the division. No. That's not going to happen. It'll be Chicago think, or Green Bay for sure. I think they can sneak into a wild card, depending on how Chicago does, because if Jay Cutler continues on this stretch – where he is arguing with the coaches and having a terrible game, that good game. At the end of the day, that's going to make an eight and eight or a nine yeah. and seven. Yeah, he's wildly inconsistent. Wildly. So I think Minnesota, with great run defense and Ponder's playing pretty well, Peterson's getting back to full health. They could sneak into a wild card spot. Ponder is one of those guys who reminds me of Alex Smith. He doesn't need to have a great game. You have Adrian Peterson. You have a very good offensive line. You have Percy Harvin, who's a yeah. playmaking machine, See, I, and you have a good defense. I didn't buy in to Christian Ponder last year. I no. thought he was picked way too I mean, high. he was only a rookie on a really bad team. team was not good. No interception. Thanks to Julian in the back. He says no interceptions for Ponder yet this yeah, year. Yeah, no, which that, is that is correct. Outrageous. Yeah. Of course, I think Alex Smith has won in his last right. nine Just games. Right, don't turn the ball over. Manage the football game. Right, and I think that's an underrated skill because a lot of people see game manager being a terrible thing. If Minnesota makes the playoffs, I don't care what kind of quarterback you have. No, Because when you get into a playoff game, if if you're playing Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers turns the ball over three times and Ponder doesn't turn the ball over once, who do you favor in that game? I favor Minnesota. But, but. Tell me a, a you know tell me a team that has 
not I mean, you know, I, I'm thinking of the Ravens in 2000, but I mean, really, other than them, I can't think of a team that has had a really pretty, you know, lousy quarterback for the most part and has won a Super Bowl. I mean, it, you really have to have a quarterback who down the stretch in playoff games late in, in, in the playoffs can make a play. I mean, well, the Jets. I'm I hearing the O2 Bucks in my headset, which sounds fairly accurate. I can live with that, but think about this. Uh, Brad well, Johnson was was pretty good. He made that, plays. That's not is uh, yeah, fair enough. Let's face it, he made plays. Yeah, you don't think of him as a good quarterback, but he made plays. Can Christian Ponder do that? Yeah, since 2000, the Rams greatest show on turf, right? Warner. Uh, the Ravens with Trent Dilfer. Yeah, right. The Patriots twice uh, in 04 and 05. I'm sorry, the Bucks in 03. It Brad was Johnson. actually 03. Uh, because it was played in 03 as the 02 season. Right. Two with Brady, mm-hmm. Roethlisberger with the Steelers, Manning with the Colts, Manning with the Giants, Roethlisberger with the Steelers, Drew Brees, yeah, there's a Aaron common Rodgers, theme. Eli Manning. Common theme. All these quarterbacks made big plays. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's a little early it's right a now, I think. League. It's, a really early, it's really early, I think, right now to, to tell if, if Ponder is that kind of guy. It's very early in the season. But He's frankly, never, never played in a playoff game. No, he game. has never played in a playoff game. And I think we both agree that Alex Smith with the 49ers is a Super Bowl contending, yeah. if not Super Bowl winning team. He is what Ponder can be. Right. So, except he's doing it a lot faster in part because this is the first time he's had a real offensive line in front of him. Yeah. But I, I would say Christian Ponder, I didn't believe he's making me a believer because he doesn't mess up, and potentially that's a playoff. All right, so you're going to go with Minnesota out of those teams. It's really close for me between uh, Cincinnati and Minnesota. The Cardinals, I just personally think that division is, is I, you know, I, it's, it's really hard. It's really, really difficult because I love the Cincinnati Bengals, and I, I do like the Cardinals, even though I'm in their division. I, I think that they're a very, they're, they can be a very good football team. Um I'll go with Minnesota. If I had to pick one, I will go with the, with the Vikings because they're probably the most complete out of all those. Arizona, they got no running game, zero. No, and I picked up Williams. The, the and he got hurt last night. Guy. He got hit real hard by um, right. I think it was Dunbar. I, I can't remember exactly. Uh, on the yeah, Rams. I think so. He got and, hit really hard. Yeah, I would just say no you know, run game. You got to have a run game. Yeah, they weren't good with Beanie Wells. They're worse now, but they don't have a great passer either. I know they've no. got Fitzgerald, but. Cobb, yeah, Cobb made some pretty bad throws last night. All right, let's talk about some injuries here. Matt Forte is probable at Jacksonville. In fact, he played on Monday night. That's huge. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of fantasy overs may, may have got screwed. I think he only had like 50 yards. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, questionable against Denver. I think he'll play, and I think Tom Brady will play. He was limited as well. Uh, <laughs> Roman Harper is uh, on the Saints, questionable. That defense is awful. Uh, here's a really, really interesting one. Julius Peppers, questionable against Jacksonville. This could be one of those trap games for the Bears, especially if, if Peppers is not at full health, because he's the best, I think, possibly the best defensive end in football. Yeah, uh, and it's hard to argue because he's a good run defender, too. I know a lot of people like to point to DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware is a great sack artist. But yeah. Is he a great run defender? He's above average, but not great. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, the Bears, if they if they want to get to Blaine Gabbert and – they want to stop Maurice Jones. You're going to have to have Julius Peppers in this game. Uh, let's react real quick. I know we did at the top to the Thursday night game. I mean, you know, it was all about the Rams defense. And, you know, Kevin Cobb just, I mean, he got torn up every every play. He was hit every single play. And he was making, he was making bad throws. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald didn't look like he wanted to be there. 
No, well, tell me this, Kevin Cobb and 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 John Skelton. Skelton's about to come back. Who's your starter? Yeah, it's it's you know I've never watched Kevin Cobb play extensively. I mean, obviously he was facing my team, so I watched him. First, he, well, the offensive line was garbage. It was absolute garbage. They've given up seventeen sacks in the last two games. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Nine and eight, unbelievable. That's never happened before. I, I'm pretty sure it's never happened. Uh, so I don't know if you can make a judgment, to be honest with you. I really don't. If you can make a fair judgment on who should be the quarterback. Um, may, <laughs> I think they stick with Cobb right now. Well, and can we be honest here? The Cardinals, in my opinion, were a paper tiger anyways. I mean, they weren't going to go undefeated. No, I mean, come on. absolutely not. They, they got away with some games, and they no. maybe beat some teams that weren't no. quite they ready They shouldn't have beaten the Dolphins. No. and They so, got away with one there. They, got away they, with one against the Patriots. Yes, they have finally been brought back down finally, to earth. Finally. Yeah. I'll leave it there. I mean, honestly, they got brought back down to yep. earth. On the other side, Rams, 2-0 and in the division, 3-2, first time since 06 that they're over 500. Jeff Fisher is really doing some things. The fastest way to earn a playoff spot is to sweep your division. It's unbelievable. It is, it is nearly impossible to not get a playoff spot if you sweep your division. I can't believe that they're too. It's just unbelievable that, that they're undefeated 2-0 in the division. Now, granted, it will Both get harder. It will get oh, harder. Oh, it'll get a lot it, harder. You'll be on the road. They're, they're going to Seattle, going to, going to Arizona. They haven't played the Niners yet. so No, so it, I can it, chalk yeah. that up as probably two to three losses minimum there. Just the fact that they that they won the first game against those teams puts the pressure on them. Right. Every team in the NFC West is undefeated at home. Interesting. Unbelievable. The NFC West, you better watch out. Uh, can the Saints recover? 0-4. Um, I can answer geez, that one uh, question. They're home against the Chargers. It, or, it, it sorry, could, be a perf- could be a perfect recipe for them to come back. Go ahead. No. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, I don't, I don't know that I need to go much further. Yeah. The defense is... Awful. I, I think we both agree that the defense is just totally Garbage. out of whack. And Roman Harper being out, you, you, you just wonder when they're going to get a break. And then offensively, they haven't been great. I, now Drew Brees, 10 touchdowns, 5 picks. He leads the league in passing yards. But there was it last week or two weeks ago where the last few drives he was non-existent. Last seven drives, I think, he didn't record a first down. That can't happen because this defense – relies on the offense to put enough points on the board to make it look like they don't suck. Yeah. Honestly. It's really rough watching this team play. I mean, that, and they were really neck and neck with Green Bay. They they were kind of kind of shockingly. I mean, there were a few people who told me that they might win that game. I knew there was no way no. they were winning. No. But they made it seem like that they could. Yeah. And let me ask this. Do you remember during the offseason when people said, Oh, Sean Payton doesn't want to bring in a good guy because then he might lose his job next year mm. if that coach does well. Right, right. Sean Payton is— Worst decision is, he ever made. Well, it, it's the grease that, 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 you know, lubes up the system. Right. I mean, he, he single-handedly, with his great play We say calling, it every week. Yeah. I mean, he is the difference on that team. And anyone who didn't think that last year, they said, oh, well, he's got five good receivers and Drew Brees and— you know, Vilma is leading the defense. Whatever you want to say, Sean Payton clearly had a much bigger role than a lot of people anticipated in this team. Because I think if they had Sean Payton, they'd be two and two or three and one, and still in contention. But at zero and four, they'd need to rip off ten wins in the next twelve games to have a chance to make the playoffs. They're facing the Chargers on Sunday night at home. 
Last time the Saints played at home on Sunday night, if I'm not mistaken, they reeled out 60-plus points on the Colts last year. <laughs> that didn't I mean, mean much. No, but, I mean, it was a it was such a different team, uh, you know, so – yeah, uh, it, it's sad. It is. I, I I wanted to see this team do well under that kind of scrutiny, but it's not easy. It's no. not easy. All right, let's talk some fantasy football now on NFL Friday. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups of the week? Plus, start them or sit them to help you win your league. Mac Rosenberg, Mike Watts, joined every week by. Steve Seminary, you can, by the way, you can check out the podcast, uh, WFUVsports.org, and iTunes, of course. All right, so, Steve, let's uh, let's run through it here. Give us some stardom, sit em. We'll do QBs, running backs, wide receivers, and then, you know, any, a couple of extra things that you just want to get in there. Go ahead. Well, surprisingly, well, surprisingly, Eli Manning hasn't been a hot commodity in fantasy leagues, only starting 82% of his game so far last week. So despite having uh not despite not having Akeem Nix this week, I think he's going to have a big week against the Browns. Uh, the Brown defense so far, is th- each quarterback has faced them, has threw for multiple touchdowns, and I think Eli will add his name to that list. I also like Philip Rivers against the Saints. The Saints defense hasn't been hasn't been playing well, and uh, Robert Griffin, Cam Newton, and Aaron Rodgers all had field days against the Saints, and I think it's it's Rivers' turn now. Yeah, and with the Giants, Barton's not playing either. Um, no, but they have. A he uses table. his weapons. He uses the guys who he has very, very well. You still have Bennett. You still have Cruz. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I think that they, they should be fine with Eli. In terms of sitting, uh, surprising, surprisingly, leading the league in passing touchdowns with twelve is Bills quarterback Ryan sure. Fitzpatrick. Wow! But he's also tied for second in the league with interceptions with seven. And this week he faced a tough San Francisco defense. San Francisco just embarrassed the Jets in their own building, and I'd be surprising if the Harvard grad has another big fantasy day. Well, and I'll I'll go for it and ask you here: Is there a quarterback that you actually like against the 49ers defense? Because <laughs> to me, the only guy you can actually think about starting is an elite guy like yeah. maybe Tom maybe Brady, Brady and maybe you know. Well, two weeks ago, I uh, three weeks ago actually, I started Matt Stafford against San Francisco instead of Andy Dalton, and he was shut down. Yeah. So, yeah. And he's a top-tier quarterback. So, obviously, San Francisco's defense is one of the better ones in the league, and it'll take a top guy like Rodgers or Brady or one of those guys to really put up points against yeah, him. Yeah, I okay. agree. Even though the Jets got trounced in their own building last week by the 49ers, I don't think it will be it will be as bad this week against the Houston Texans. But I do. that being said, I think Matt Schaub will not have a big game, and the Jet defense will show up. Rex Ryan sent the team home for two days, Monday and Tuesday, to go soul-searching, as he said. So, I mean, this team was pr- was pr- really embarrassed last week at yeah. home, and I think they really can't get embarrassed again on Monday night, and I think right. they're going to put up a fight. I'm starting Schaub this week because Tony Romo's on a bye. I, I still think Schaub's a good start, though. I still think, you know, as, as, the sec- as that second option Well, and I, I agree with Steve in the sense that this team is going to come out firing on all— because they, yeah. if they lose this game, they're in some real deep trouble. I mean, if they get blown out. So I think you're, I, I actually agree with Steve. Okay. Okay. But then again, bye week, what else are you yeah. going to do? Right. Go yeah, pick I mean, up Sha- Brandon Whedon? I mean, oh, yeah. yeah really. well, Schaub's a good quarterback. He's yeah. going to put up points. Yeah, I mean, but I'm he, just saying yeah. in terms of if, deeper leagues or whatnot, I, I would I would tr- try to stay away from Schaub if possible. Right. In terms of running backs, Maud Bradshaw of the Giants was a major question mark last week after coming off injury and watching Andre Brown do a great job in his place. He was limited against the Eagles last week, but against the Browns' defense, I think he'll get back in the swing of things. What else is new? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Cleveland has allowed either 80 total yards or a touchdown to five running backs so far this season. I think that trend will continue. C.J. Spiller in one half. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Another running back I like is Ryan Matthews. After being benched last week, the Chargers running back is due for a big game. It's the perfect week for him to get going against a vulnerable Saints defense who has allowed double digits in fantasy points to five running backs in four games. So I I would probably start a running back Matthews, Bradshaw, and then sitting, I would stay away from Rashard Mendenhall. Mendenhall is coming coming back this week, yeah. He's coming back from injury. He might put up points, but with running backs, it, it takes time to get back in the swing of things. And I think I would, I would hold off on Mendenhall until he actually proves that he's healthy and he's back. I'd also sit D'Angelo Williams of the Carolina Panthers against a stingy Seattle defense. He's been playing well of late, but Jonathan Stewart continues to get healthy. And the Seattle defense is one of the better ones in the league, as we've seen a few weeks ago against Green Bay. All right, wide receivers. Well, I was completely wrong last week. You got Marquise Colston. As he went off with nine catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown against a good Packer defense. His injured foot doesn't seem to be a problem, and he should continue to play well against the Chargers on Sunday. Yeah, well, I think that the Packers defense, I don't I don't think it's anything very special, personally. Yeah, but man, I, I took your advice and didn't start Colson. What a <laughs> bummer. <laughs> I mean, what a bummer. You'll get me you'll you'll win me more games than you'll than you'll lose me, but man, that I was gonna lose anyways, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, now he had, he had a big week last week, and he proved that the foot's fine, and, and he's still a top-tier receiver in this league. Another sleeper for this week is Dominic Hickson of the Giants. Mm-hmm. That's my man. Not a household name, but with Nick's out, Barden out, Eli's going to have to look to Nixon, have to look to Nixon for for some targets, and I'm sure he's going to make a few catches and maybe maybe find the end zone. And uh, in terms of sitting them, I would stay away from Stevie Johnson. Despite having three touchdown receptions, he only has 15 catches and are for 195 yards. This week, his team is going against the top defense in the league in the 49ers, and I don't expect him to add much to those numbers on Sunday. Yeah. All right, yeah. So, I, I mean, uh, yeah, that that's quite obvious there. Any uh, any last piece of advice you'd like to give us, Steve, for the week? Well, it's getting later in the year, and it's week five, so injury is starting to pile up. Yep. So I would I would... Check in with injury reports from now and between now and Sunday. Uh, Pierre Garçon, another receiver that's battling injury, and he played last week, but not sure how healthy well, he is. Well, I'll ask you, what do you think about him with RG three? I mean, do you usually say it doesn't matter if he's with a rookie quarterback if he's good, he's good? I mean, what's your opinion there? Well, Pierre Garçon was created essentially by Peyton Manning in Indianapolis, so I don't know how good of a receiver he actually is because Peyton made all his receivers better. <laughs> yeah, but Pierre Garçon is definitely a solid wide receiver, and Robert Griffin is. Definitely a solid quarterback, so I, I think he's he's going to have a good year overall, but I'm just saying in terms of this week, not sure how healthy he really is. All right, Steve Seminary with the Weekly Fantasy Report. It's that time. Let's predict some games for Week 5. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. And we'll keep Steve for this. Just to recap, Giants and Browns, we all took the Giants. Jets, Texans, we all took Houston, except Julian took the Jets. And uh, who are you taking? Yeah, Giants, Giants Browns. Browns. Giants. Jets, Houston. Houston. Yeah, that's obvious. Fair there. enough. So no <laughs> one's going to move up or down there. And of course, uh, we both picked the same upset last week. So it's good to be yeah, uh, Chicago. Steve so did Julian. Man, Julian had it as well. Yeah, Can't forget right. about Julian. All right, here we go. Battle for Pennsylvania. Philadelphia Eagles. Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll start this one off. Steelers. There's no way the Steelers go one and four. There's no way they lose it. Coming off a of bye week, they just lost to the Raiders on the road. There's no way the Steelers don't win this game. Heinz Field, I'm going to have to take Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, and I don't trust Philly really at all, and I think Pittsburgh wins the turnover battle like those Steelers. Nick and Julian are in agreement as well, both taking Pittsburgh. This is probably the toughest game of the week. Agree. Denver, New England. This is is not an easy one. 
Mrs. Nani's one. Uh, Michael? New England turned the ball, uh, really, I'm sorry, turned on the Jets last week uh, in the second half, but uh, Denver's defense is better. It's in New England, so I'm taking the Pats, but I think this one's going to be a classic. It feels like forever that we've seen Tom Brady go against yeah. Peyton Manning, and uh, I'm going to have to say Brady's going to win this one once again in New England. You know what? I'm going to take Denver. Uh, I, I love Peyton Manning. Uh, Mike, you took the Patriots? Uh, yeah, the, the winner of, of last week's fantasy, uh, sorry, of, yeah. of Pickham is picking the Patriots. Yeah, okay, that, that's fine. Oh, okay. Taking Denver, uh, <laughs> Peyton Manning, I don't know. I just, I've gut. It's a gut, it's a gut pick. It's a All gut right. pick. Nick takes Denver. Julian takes New England. So we're split on that one. Uh, here we go. Tennessee and Minnesota. In Minnesota. Chris Johnson finally got a good week last week. I may be the only one doing this. They don't even have Jake Locker, but I'm taking Tennessee. I'm going with Minnesota, and and particularly, it's not that Jake Locker's not there. It's that I don't think Matt Hasselbeck has much left in the tank. And like I said, I'm a believer in Ponder. Yeah, I I like the Vikings too, but I don't know. Something tells me the Titans are going to win. Steve? I'm going to have to agree with Mac on this one. I think Johnson will have a good game, and Hasselbeck will fill in admirably. And, uh, well, Nick and Julian both taking the Vikings, so me and Steve the only one going with the Titans. It's a gut pick for me, another gut pick. Seattle at Carolina. Carolina reeling after a very, very hard, very, very tough loss. This is the toilet bowl, by the way. Excuse me, this is, this is the toilet bowl. This is big. Seattle, Carolina, both 2-2. Two and two. I'm taking the Panthers at home. I mean, you know, Seattle, they're, they're, they're reeling. This would be three losses in a row for them. Carolina almost beat Atlanta last week. In Atlanta, I'm taking the Panthers. I think Seattle is like the up, to, maybe the upset team of the year. Uh, defense playing well. Cam Newton's a little bit of a sophomore slide. Seattle, interestingly, has a bit of a QB competition with Russell Wilson against a QB who's injured. But I still like the Seahawks in this one. I think they bounce back. I think we're going to see more of that Carolina team that was hyped up before the season started, and they're going to pull this one out at home. Nick and Julian will both take the Panthers, so Michael is alone. Hey, I'm just trying to pick up games here in the standings. (laughs) Hopefully the standings look a lot different after uh, this week. Upset time. Upset time. Uh, There's only a few games that can really be upsets. Um, Trap game for the Bears. I'll take the Jaguars over the Bears. It's in Jacksonville, but it's still going to be an upset by the spread. Um, There'll still be more Bears fans. There, there may not be any fans. Go ahead, Mike. Hotel <laughs> oh, <laughs> Stadium, whatever it is. I'm taking the Dolphins over Cincinnati on That's the a good road. One. I think the Bengals are maybe pretenders this year. They should win this game. They don't. Steve, upset. I like Kansas City at home against the Ravens. Oh, Romeo! <laughs> All right. Julian, upset. Taking the Saints. Uh, taking the easy way out and taking the Saints. Loser. Nick. He's taking the Redskins over the Falcons. Ooh, that's a ooh, that's a gutsy move, Mister Lagerfo. Hopefully, it'll be well played. Uh, and uh, all right, that's it. The, the game, of course, but last night, you know, the, the Rams already happened. So now we're just down to the Browns. We are, we are down to the. We should have, you know, tried to pick that game, but we we couldn't. Um, Browns lose by uh, ten. I have them losing. Was it twenty? I say twenty four ten. Yeah, I believe so. So you're saying 14. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There you go. There's right. the game. 
That'll do it. Many thanks to Steve Seminary with the Fantasy Report, Mark Canizaro from the New York Post, Julian Atienza, Nick Legerfo on the other side of glass, Mac Rosenberg, Mike Watts. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your football. This has been One on One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.